I had gone down to Quantico for a training. A police officer saw me and his window was down and he had his radio in his hand and he says, hey, you, well, you should be downtown. The World Trade Center just exploded. I was actually at the Johnson County Courthouse. And they came in the classroom and said that a plane had just hit the World Trade Center. And the police officer kept shouting, it was a plane, it was a plane, it was World Trade. But when the second one went in, we all realized at that moment that this was an intentional act. It's a moment that I will never forget. Welcome to 41 Files. I'm Katherine Finnerty. And I'm Casey Murray. We're digital producers at KSHB 41 News. The events of 9-11 are etched in the memories of all those who lived through that day. Everyone who is alive will forever remember where they were and what they were doing when they first got the news about the terrorist attacks. The memories are still fresh 20 years later and can help us reflect on the impact on Kansas Cityans and how the community responded in the hours, days, weeks, and years after the attacks. While 9-11 directly impacted New York City, Washington, D.C., and Pennsylvania, the event sent shockwaves across the country and the world. Despite that, older generations are now grappling with how to communicate the devastation of that day to younger generations who weren't alive to experience it. Days after the attacks 20 years ago, the United States entered Afghanistan. Now, with troops pulled out of the country and the consequences of their removal unclear, the legacy of 9-11 is increasingly complicated. Kansas Cityans lost family in the attacks, as well as in the war that has become the longest in our country's history. In this podcast, we're going to look at how the attacks on the Twin Towers impacted Kansas City, how Kansas Cityans responded to help those directly affected by the attacks, and how the city continues to remember the event that changed America. We're going to explore what the legacy of 9-11 means to our home in the Midwest, over 1,000 miles away from New York. Over the course of this podcast, we will speak to military personnel, teachers, students, and more to examine the continuing effects of the attacks. In episode one, Catherine will take us back to the day the two planes hit the Twin Towers in New York and how Kansas City paused with the rest of the country, worried about their loved ones. As a warning, some of the content in this episode may be hard to hear because of its graphic nature. We decided to include it in order to fully represent what happened that day. And then the next thing I heard was a loud boom. And, uh... and we'd all move to the side and let them down. And I think that every one of us was comfortable in the fact that we felt that we were going to die. I don't think any of us thought we'd never make it out. First of all, they almost killed all of us. These thousands of people that are dead. And uh, just within uh, a matter of seconds, it started collapsing and the, this debris started coming towards you. I saw a lot of bodies of people who had jumped out the window, scattered around. When the two hijacked planes hit the Twin Towers, people didn't know what to think. There was little time to react. From archive footage, we know that dust was everywhere. Water lines broke, and the lobby of the World Trade Center towers flooded. People rushed out of the buildings, some not understanding the gravity of the situation until reaching the street. People were told to run and not look back. 
Once you got outside, they told you not to look up and not to look back. I mean, there was no choice. They were telling me to run to City Hall. I ran down into the subway and stayed down there until the stuff cleared. Denise Conley was a security guard at the World Trade Center, but her shift had ended already on September 11, 2001, when the planes hit. She went back to help the people inside the building where she worked and was filmed assisting firefighters. Her family lives in Kansas City. She actually got out of the building, but her co-worker said she came back in to help them. So when she went back in, I don't think she realized that it was a terrorist attack. That was Conley's sister, Barbara Haynes Jenkins, thinking back to her sister's heroism on that day. Conley, sadly, did not survive the attacks. The family still misses her, but knowing she died helping others is one more reason to keep her memory alive, says Davina Price Farage, Conley's niece. Knowing that she helped so many people, I was not surprised, but I think now with this 20th anniversary, it just makes me want to fight more to keep her memory alive and let people know, you know, about her and what she did. Among those who remember Conley is Jack Teliercho, who was working as a cameraman for a local New York news station on 9-11. He says he passed right by her. Building four is the building where Denise was. And I walked right past her. She was at the counter. As you enter that building, you're on a security counter. I walked right past her. I showed her my press ID. We walked right out the back doors into the plaza. And, my, and when I was in the plaza, it, it, the scene was surreal. Kelly Ercho was heading to shoot a quick video of a blood drive in Midtown Manhattan when an NYPD police officer stopped him. I got myself ready to head to the shoot. And as I was walking over to the location, and I had my tripod and camera and, and, and um, Clearly, I was a cameraman for, uh, uh, for news. And so I was walking over to the location with my gear, and a police officer saw me, and his window was down, and he had his radio in his hand, and he says, hey, you, well, you should be downtown. The World Trade Center just exploded. At 8.46 a.m., American Airlines Flight 11 crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. When the officer told Tilly Ercho it was a plane that hit the tower, he knew he needed to head down there. And, and so I was able to get within a few blocks uh, north of the Twin Towers and just parked my truck right on the highway there. Um, and I could see smoke coming, billowing from, uh, from the first um, strike. And <clears throat> so I got my, I, I got out of my truck. I was getting my gear. I knew that um, I knew that I'd be in the shoot for, for the long haul and away from my truck. So, so I was kind of loading up on tapes and batteries. And, and as I was doing that, and I closed the hatch of my truck and I was starting to make my way down, the second tower exploded right before my eyes. Uh, I didn't see that it was a second plane because I was on the north side of the buildings. And so all I could see was the explosion. At 9.03 a.m., United Airlines Flight 175 crashed into the South Tower. 
Teliercho didn't understand yet what had happened, but knew he needed to document what he could. I remember being in total shock, not really understanding yet the magnitude of what was happening. Um, and so I just started rolling immediately after that second impact. I was rolling and, and something clicked in me uh, that kind of turned me into a warrior documentarian role. And so I just clicked in my mind that that's what I would do today is uh, document as much as I could uh, from this perspective and that the world needs to see this unedited. I'm not going to stop myself from shooting anything that I see. I'm just going to let the camera roll um, and just kind of leave myself as much out of it as I could. As Teliercho got in and out of the World Trade Center, the situation got more and more dangerous. He could see firefighters entering the building to help. Conley was last seen holding the door for firefighters. A former member of the Coast Guard, Denise was working as a security guard last Tuesday inside the World Trade Center. She was holding the door for the fireman. He was going in to bring somebody out, and he was helping people out. And that's the last they saw of her. But I do know she was probably helping people in the building to, to get out. The South Tower collapsed at 9.59 a.m. The towers and the top of the building starts tilting and crumbling down. And so at that moment, I thought, okay. I just started rolling. It was kind of instinctive. And people around me running. I rolled, I rolled, and the building starts pancaking onto itself. And I thought, you know, I'm dead. There's no way that I'm going to survive. 110 stories are falling. And so I said, you know, to myself, I'm going to try and run. And maybe I'll get far enough away where I'll be just on the edge of any large debris. And so I ran. The North Tower collapsed at 10.28 a.m. The sound alone of that building coming down was, was earth-shattering. You know, all the firemen that I saw that day, my friend Glenn, uh, Denise, the building engineer, it, it's a gut-wrenching thing. Shelly Doherty was an FBI agent who responded to the attacks. She lives in Kansas City now, but was assigned to the New York City office during the attacks. She was at Quantico for training on September 11, 2001. It was the first time I'd ever been back to Quantico for training um, after graduating. And it was a training that I had fought hard to get into and really wanted to be at. And they came in the classroom and said that a plane had just hit the World Trade Center. Doherty wanted to get back to New York City as soon as she heard the news, but she was stuck in Virginia because of the attacks on the Pentagon and the Flight 93 crash in Pennsylvania. Once Doherty was cleared to leave Quantico, she started driving up to New York City. On a typically busy highway into the city, she said there were no other cars on the road besides law enforcement. As she came across the bridge into New York, she saw smoke. There's a place in New York when you come across the bridge 
And the thing you do is you always look for the trade centers. Like, I'm home, you know, where's, where's the trade center? And I just saw like a bright light and smoke. And um, I went, oh yeah, that's, that's why you're home. Um, that's why you're back. And I was at ground zero the next morning. The two tallest buildings in the city were no longer in the skyline, replaced by smoke and dust. I just remember walking through the dust and I just remember shoes. It's the weirdest thing, but I just remember shoes everywhere. Hmm. I'm like, where are all these shoes from? Hmm. You know, probably people running out of their shoes as they ran from the buildings. Um, and the dust, just pulverized dust, probably concrete. Um, but that's what I remember most about my, the smell of the fire and all of that. At first, Doherty didn't know what she was doing there. Her team was looking for evidence and trying to figure out how to help. The FBI has over a thousand agents in New York City and thousands more employees, so they had to coordinate all of those people. She says she was privileged to work with the victims' families, but it was a heart-wrenching experience. But what stands out in my mind is the amount of detail that the families wanted. Um, like real detail of what they went through. How would their loved ones have felt? Um, what was fire like? Why would people jump? Like to just like uncomfortable questions, right? Doherty is among those who lost people in the attacks and knows many people are connected to that day in one way or another. Reality is we were all victims of 9-11 mm-hmm. in one way or another. Um, like I, I lost two colleagues that day. Um, who both were killed in the, in the towers. Um, obviously, all of our law enforcement, fire department colleagues, all those innocent victims, you couldn't go in anywhere in New York without seeing posters of missing people. Doherty is now retired from the FBI, but she still reflects on the attacks. My family knows it's a hard day for me. Um, I, I tend to kind of just want to kind of be alone and reflect on my experiences and what it was like that day and those weeks. Doherty wants people to remember on the 20th anniversary of these attacks that even though it was a horrific time in American history, it also brought out the best in people. I want them to remember that this country was attacked, that people went into that building to save others. People jumped from fire. It was a horrific, horrific day that brought out the best in this country. An organized chaos of caring people at the Community Blood Center. It came because I felt like I had to do something. You're sitting there watching all this tragedy and and you feel so helpless. You have to feel like you can do something. This is something I could do. God bless you. Thank you very much. It's going for the firefighters' families. Dozens stood along city streets collecting money for the families of New York firefighters killed in Tuesday's terrorist attacks. A collection box could help heal those wounds. It's one way students at Blue Valley schools are reaching out. Money collected will go to the American Red Cross. I think being in Kansas and being kind of more removed the people on the East Coast, it's really important for us to get a sense of national unity and feel like we're helping out people who we don't know, but we still want to be there for. The firefighters say helping victims' families is their way to help cope with the tragedy and pay respects to those that lost their lives. The United States declared war on those responsible for 9-11 one week later. 
My message is for everybody who wears the uniform, get ready. Thank you so much for listening to part one of our special mini-series for the 20th anniversary of 9-11. In our next episode, we'll look at the war in Afghanistan, how it affected those in the military, and how service people reacted to 9-11. We have these people's stories and more online at kshb.com.